Welcome back to another year of the USET podcast, where we talk about all things Utah, education, and technology. I would like to take a second to introduce myself as the host again for this year. My name is Kira Bettis. I've been a secondary history and ELA classroom teacher for 10 years, and I am currently a digital teaching and learning specialist with Jordan School District. I'm serving as the president-elect for the USET board, and I am super excited to continue to work on the USET podcast as one of my projects. You can always find me on Twitter at KBettis, especially on Wednesday nights at 8 p.m. for Utah EdChat. For our first episode of this new season of episodes, we introduce the theme for the upcoming USET conference, discuss what it means to be a part of a coalition, and how to spark a movement with our guests, Jared Covilli from Jordan School District and Matt Winters from UEN. We are so excited to get into the discussion today with them. everyone to the USET podcast. This is another season and we are very excited to be here. Um, to kick us off for the first episode of this new season, we have our awesome guests today. We have um, Matt Winters from UEN and Jared Covilli from Jordan District. Um, if you guys want to take a second to introduce yourselves and we'll um, inter- dive right into the topic at hand. All right, I, I, I'm, I'm going first. I, I, I don't know, Kovili, you, you, you've definitely got seniority on me on this one. Oh, I know who the USEP president is. <laughs> um, my name is Matt Winters. I work for Utah Education Network as a senior technical trainer. Um, but on my off time slash, do we have off time as educators? Um, I work as the USEP president for this year and um, I run, help run the conference for this upcoming year in 2023, um, and just getting everything planned. And you've done that before. It's a, it's kind of an insane. That's a lot. It's a yeah. lot. Yeah. I mean, I'm excited about this year. It's, it's a pretty good, fun. it's a pretty good second job. Yeah. In a past life, I was an ELA teacher and, uh, and before that I was an ELA college teacher and radio nerd and all sorts of stuff. So weird stuff going on. I, I understand when you say like in a past life, but when you say that phrase, like my mind instantly goes to like Cleopatra or like, <laughs> you know, I was an ancient Viking reading the seas. No, I'll, I'll go with recovering English teacher because I can still talk people to, to death about James Joyce. Mm. Yeah, you're way more recovering English teacher than I am. <laughs> I'm like a decrepit English teacher. So my name is Jared Covilli and I've got to say something. This is always kind of fun for me because... When I left the Utah Education Network, Matt kind of replaced me. And I like to say that UEN kind of got the second wife, which is taller, darker beard, 20 years younger. Like they just made a real upgrade to get Matt instead of me because I was the uh, tossed away older model. So no one at UEN heard that. I'm I'm getting the gray hair, though. I'm going to catch up to you here soon. Well, you know, wait till you after your year being president of USAT. <laughs> you guys are making me nervous for my year. I don't want to be aged when I'm over it. You're going to start dyeing your hair red at that point. Mm. Mm. Yeah. That should be the indicator is what color my hair is as, yeah. as far as what my stress level is. Purple, she's go. getting stressed. <laughs> red, it's like, oh no, get her. She shifted to red shift. So um, as far as my background, uh, I started out as an English teacher as well, something we all share in common. 
I was an English teacher in the Granite School District back in the back in the dark ages, you know. So, internet was new. Um, but I, I left and went to UEN and spent uh, almost 20 years at UEN uh, working with a lot of different organizations and teachers across the state and have spent the last uh, year and a half now in Jordan School District as an administrator over digital teaching and learning where I kind of help um, our school district implement digital technologies in the classroom. So. Okay, wonderful. Well, thank you guys for being on the podcast today. Um, so to get us kind of into our topic, I wanted to ask you guys, what was your first memory of set, And why did you want to get involved? What makes you stay? I mean, Jared, it's been a minute that you've been on the set board. So I can, I can tell you exactly. The first set conference I attended was in 2003. Okay. Um, I was still a, an English teacher at the time. I was working on my master's in instructional technology. And it was an assignment for class that we had to go. Um, I'd never even heard of the conference before. And it's funny to say this, but I went one year and the next year I had already changed jobs and was at UEN. Mm -hmm. And I was presenting and I presented the entire day at USET. And uh, I think back then I was teaching on Dreamweaver and Fireworks, which are really old programs that you don't even know what they are, do you, Kara? I don't. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. Uh, so we taught people how to build websites back then because there was no such thing as Google Sites or Weebly or all these fun free tools that make it super easy for people. You had to do it kind of manually. You had to figure out how to do it. So that's one of the things I taught back then. Um, but I was I went to the conference for a couple of years and I was blown away. Like it was just the coolest thing to be part of like-minded people and to be around just a lot of really innovative teachers. So a couple of years later, I got involved by running for the board. Um, and I've been on the board ever since, which was probably back in 2008. Okay. So just a few years. So I'm a dinosaur. Yeah. <laughs> I think the only person who's been on the board longer than me is Rick Gaysford. Okay. So you've been on the board for a while. What makes you stay? Uh, same thing, to be honest with you, like the coolest thing about our organization and the people on the, you know, Matt and Kira can understand this, but maybe some of the rest of you don't understand this as well. Across the country, this kind of ed tech conference world is pretty much made up of a lot of older boards that are kind of dying out. So a lot of the states are really struggling to keep these organizations running because they just don't have the influx of young teachers kind of getting involved. And our board is pretty much the exact opposite. I know a couple of years ago when we were having a board retreat, uh, the question was asked, how many years have you been on the board? And our board is made up of about 20 plus people, just barely over 20. And I would guess that the average person raised their hand that they had been on the board less than three years. And almost all of those people were people that I would say were under 40, you know, or around 40 or just under 40. So mm -hmm. we have the exact opposite experience in said is that we're kind of getting younger and more innovative, which I think is super cool for us. And that's one of the reasons I love being part of it. Which does put us in a really interesting category because, like you said, like a lot of the boards are getting older across the country. There's kind of a stalwart nature of some of those boards. And 
we're trying to push and it's put us on kind of an interesting path. I mean, it's, yeah. it's fun to go to national conferences like ISTE and like South by Southwest and Sam from Utah. And people are like, yeah, I've, I know what you guys are doing there. It's really cool. I'm like, I usually don't. I remember being like 17 and hearing the words Utah and cool and going, what? Yeah, that never happened. Yeah. And now it's like, oh, yeah, it is cool what's happening here in the, Utah. The last time Utah was considered cool was in the 70s when Marie and Donnie were around. <laughs> Absolutely. Cool in some circles, right? You're obviously not a little bit country and Matt's a little bit rock and roll. <laughs> exactly. Uh, again, my familiarity with them is from the Mass Singer, so... <laughs> it all kind of comes full circle there. We have a young audience for this podcast, I can tell. I better not reuse any more Donnie and Marie references. <laughs> so, Matt. Your parents loved them. <laughs> yeah. Debatable. <laughs> you can use that excuse. Well, your parents loved them. Uh, I don't know about that. That's funny. Um, so, Matt, what was your first memory of you set? Um, I'm, I'm relatively newer. Um, one of my... F- so, a couple weeks before... So, this was... You set 2017, I think it was the year that uh, Danny Sloan was running it at at U of U. At the U, yeah, yeah. And uh, a few weeks before, I'd went with my my then district to South by Southwest EDU week. And at the conference, my buddy Quinn and I, we kind of tr- like they told us as a as a group, get on Twitter, tweet out what you're saying. And so I took that to be my job that week. And so I literally tweeted everything I saw and I ended up being like statistically the most tweetable person at the conference of like, you know, 10,000 people. And I was like, this is cool. I want to keep this going. And so I think USET was like the next week. And so I went to my boss when I got back and I said, my principal, I said, I want to go to this conference this next week. Can you pay for it? And he went, yeah, sure, whatever. And I went. And uh, one of the first people, <laughs> this is my first memory, is I walked up to the, the union building and with Quinn, and you were, Jared, you were standing outside. And Quinn was like, you should know Jared. <laughs> and I was this, like, This okay. is not doing anything to dissolve the opinion that I'm the mascot of USAC. <laughs> I was outside waving my hand. And- <laughs> You were, and, and and that was my first interaction was meeting you, and then I went in, and I think I saw you from a distance, Kira. So I, I'm trying to remember my first uh, experience with you, and I think it was EdCamp 2018. Interesting. So it was, Maybe it was 2018 that was the year I went. I don't know. I have to ask Danny. But I think it was around the same time period, because I remember going to USET when it was still at the U. Yeah. Um, so it must have been, but I didn't have blue hair back then, because I worked at, in the middle of Utah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that was my first memory was seeing this guy outside of the U of U. That's going, funny. I totally remember that day. Yeah. Like, I remember you and Quinn walking around. And I think I had a little microphone and was talking to people during those yeah. couple of days. And mm-hmm. I interviewed you guys. Yeah. And we interviewed the keynotes. Like, I, I, I am shameless. So I went, like walked up to the keynotes after they got done. Hey, do you want to be on our podcast? And they were like, sure. Oh, that's right. And so we interviewed a few people and we had a good time doing that. But That was Thurl Bailey. Uh, no, it no. was uh, oh, Ginger Lumen. Ginger Lumen, yeah, yeah, who was fantastic to talk to. Um, but yeah, it was that was a, a good first year, and yeah, like presented the next year, and then the next year I got on the board, and then it you know twenty twenty <laughs> hit, and all snowballed been, from there. Huh? Been been now I'm here as the president like five years later. So okay, where to go? Yeah, so I mentioned like Ed Camp was the first I had ever heard of you set and. First time I had heard of Utah Ed Chat, 
And so being part of that community, kind of like what you were talking about, Jared, I was like, oh my gosh, there's this whole group of people that are doing interesting things, that are being proactive, that are um, engaged in ways that I never knew was possible. And so then a couple months later, I went to the USAC conference for the first time, and then kind of very similar trajectories, like presented the next year, kept presenting, and then... Once they have you, they have you. I will say the only way that I differed is that I ran for the board and I kept trying to run for the board because I just could never get on. And then I finally was on, so... And I I feel bad about this, but I wasn't even there at the conference in 2020 when I got elected. I had had to be at another meeting for the stuff that was happening with COVID mm. by my district. And so wow. I wasn't even there. And I was like, I found out on Twitter that I was elected. And I was like, that's amazing. But I'm on the board now, so it's all good. That's what matters. <laughs> yep, we got you. Um, okay. So, Matt, you are the USET president. Um, what does it mean to be, to be the president? Um, he, he knows the secret handshake now. <laughs> I do? (laughs) Question mark. I thought we weren't supposed to talk about that. Um, For me, it it means that I'm I'm out in front of trying to help bring attention and like a microphone Mm. to everyone who in the state is doing cool things with technology and education or just education in general. So it's less about me being the you know the person in charge of everything and it's more about how can i get coalition members how can i get people who are doing amazing things across the state in education and in technology to come be a part of our conference to be included and to have an amplification process happen for what they're doing because i think that's so much more important than anything that i can do with getting featured speakers from the state or, or from out of state or, you know, uh, developing cool swag or whatever it is. It's, it's finding those niche people that right now don't have somebody to stand up for them and give them a spot to share their cool idea or their cool process and give them that space to do it. I always think about like, there's this uh, great uh, um, professor in um, Florida named Matt Dombrowski that I absolutely love. He's an Adobe creative educator. And he always says, uh, Um, be the microphone not the speaker Mm. and so you're always trying to be like the microphone for someone else whether it be your students or your fellow teachers or community members because you can build a platform like I you know I can build a platform if I need to if I can want to speak and I have that as the use at president but I don't want that platform for me I want that platform for everyone else so that they feel like they're included in the community um that's actually a really nice segue into the next question. As president, how did you come up with your theme for the years? So you kind of see yourself as this like amplifier, which you said. Um, how did that lead you into your conference theme? Well, it, it comes off of something that Jared said in one of our meetings um, coming out of last year's presidency, Clint, and into kind of my my regime. <laughs> That's um, what we call it too. Exactly. The Matt yeah. regime. Um, the dynasty. That we're in our name is coalitions. Utah Coalition for Educational Technology. And Jared said something that we're a coalition who's not doing a lot of coalition work. And so since he said that, I've basically been very amped about who can I talk to in the state who is doing concurrent technology or education work 
that is amazing, that is interesting, and how can we bring them together in a melting pot of amazingness to share out with the biggest possible audience. And so the theme for this year for 2023 is together at USET. So how many people we can get together and make sure that we're in a good place and that everyone has together building a better community for Utah students, Utah teachers. And so uh, as the conference is kind of rolled out and speakers are kind of put out there, we're spotlighting a lot of Utah community members, Utah teachers, Utah students. Um, but we're also trying to spotlight some of the amazing processes that are happening in Utah, like PCBL and coaching and the list can go on and on because we got a lot of good stuff going on here in Utah. And that's one of the things that I want to make very, very apparent to anybody who attends the conference is that we're a Utah conference. And that means that we, by what we're doing makes us a national level conference because we have so many cool things happening here. Mm. That makes sense. Yeah. And I was so inspired from your theme this year that that I kind of adopted it as the theme for the USET podcast. So this series of episodes um, this year will be focusing on different coalition members that USET works with. Um, and so we'll spotlight different groups in the state of Utah and the work that they're doing and how they come together to support teachers and education and students and, and learning in the state of Utah. So It'll be really fun to dive deeper into all those different groups that we work with. Um, I thought you were inspired by the theme to have Matt and I come together. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. That was awesome. <laughs> it's always a good day. Yeah. Um, I figure, like, you know, why not Doppelganger's got to be in the same room sometime yeah, to prove we're not the same you person. You got to catch up on the beard, though. I do. Yeah. yeah it's Mine's yours has year, got more year and a half, I think, now yeah. that I haven't tri- trimmed it. So. You just trimmed yours, didn't you? Every month, whether I need to or not. <laughs> Every month. Um, so, Jared, I invited you not just because you look like Matt, but um, <laughs> because of your role in the USIP board. You've been on it for a long time, but also you have a pretty interesting role as the ISTE affiliate rep. Yeah. Um, do you want to tell the audience what does it mean to be the ISTE affiliate rep and why is it so important to have such a position? Yeah, I mean, and Matt said something, too, that I think is kind of fun. You know, a lot of people, when they think of our name, USET, they're not quite sure what the C stands for. Like, I think if you were to ask a general person in the audience of the of the conference, they would probably think it stands for conference, mm-hmm. right? Like Utah's Conference oh. for Educational Technology. Mm-hmm. Uh, not realizing that it really does stand for coalition, like Matt said, and that our goal is to try and bring different groups together to try and help them. I love what Matt just said about amplification. Like, we want to share their message as part of our message. That's when you really think about educational technology, what does it do? Mm. Like it, it enhances what people are already doing in their classroom. It modifies some of the things that they do and gives them opportunities to try new things, but it doesn't change like the teacher, mm. like a good teacher is a better teacher when they use technology. Right. Um, so I think that's one of the things that we try and do with our organization, but our organization a lot of people may not know this is actually a state affiliate for the national organization or really the international organization, which is ISTE. So, Kara, when you said that I'm the ISTE affiliate rep, if, if you don't know out there, um, ISTE is a, basically it's an international, it's IST, ISTE stands for International Society for Technology and Education. Um, and we're the Utah chapter of that organization. And so one of the things that I do is I communicate with the national organization um, and kind of share some of the cool things that Utah's involved with. 
Uh, we had a huge contingency of Utah teachers that attended the national conference this year um, in New Orleans, probably the largest group we've ever had from Utah. Uh, honestly, I think we were in the hundreds of teachers that came. Maybe not quite 200, but over 100, mm. um, which is, I remember years where if we got together as the Utah group, like we could sit at a table in a restaurant. You know, it wasn't that long ago that it was something like that. Just to add to that, that was amazing when we had our get together at ISTE this year because, you know, halfway through up walks our state superintendent's election yeah. and we had 60 people there and it was just incredible to have all the different areas. So we had multiple districts, multiple LEAs represented, but then also UEN, USBE. We had a lot of people from USET. It was just really cool to have that many people all together in a room. So it's it's definitely grown. It's, it's doing some cool stuff. Yeah, and, and that's all part of what I see as our mission is to bring groups together and help them to learn from each other. So we do that not only locally, but also nationally through that organization. And then like one of the things that we do when we partner or meet with some of these other affiliates from across the country, that's where a lot of our good ideas come from, or we share our good ideas with them, right? So we talk about things like ed camps and Twitter chats that have been part of our um, USET fabric for the last decade. Those are total ripoffs. We totally got those from other places or even some elements of our conference, whether it's the over the shoulders or the Ignite sessions that we've done for the last few years. These are all things that happen because we partner with other organizations and learn from them. Um, so both of, uh, both of you have been involved in bringing people together, either locally or nationally, and um, learning from one another and then amplifying those ideas. Um, what are some strengths and challenges to that process, to coalition building, to bringing people together? I'll go first. Um, I would say that some of the challenges can be that different groups are at different points along the journey. Mm. Like, for example, I would say that USET is not a new organization. You know, we've been around 30, almost, well, we've been around 40 years now. And uh, others, groups like this may not be at the same plane yet. They're still growing. And so they maybe need us to help them get a little further down the road. And I'll still say, like, sometimes it's a challenge because everybody's got to focus on their primary initiative. Like, if you're the UCTM, you're focused on math, right? Uh, or UCTE, you're focused on English, those kinds of things. So um, sometimes it's hard for everyone to envision a world where we're all sharing with each other. And that high tide raises all ships. Mm. You know, sometimes we kind of silo ourselves a little bit and say, man, if I'm not focused on my group, I'm not doing what I was asked to do as the board for whatever organization I'm in. Um, but I find that when we do reach out beyond the walls of our silo, it helps everybody. I 100% agree with that. I think, you know, cumulative, you know, what is it? Hattie says, you know, cumulative teacher effort. Yeah. Efficacy. Yeah, is collective one of the, efficacy. Is like, that's the highest indicator of a quality school and a growing school. It's the same thing for na state and national groups is if you have cumulative eff efficacy for those groups and everyone is working towards a similar goal, um, it's going to, and everyone's helping each other out in that sense of situation, it's going to get better and better and better. Um, so I'll, 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 I'll go the other direction. I think one of the problems is, is one of the challenges we face quite a bit with education is that, or with uh, coalition building is traditionalism. 
And it's always kind of that phrase that it's always been done this way. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think when we talk about creating change and creating revolution to some degree, and I mean that like not like revolution, like just (laughs) we're making change, we're we're making things grow, and and sometimes that can be kind of extreme. Um, It can be met with extreme resistance. And so like, for instance, you know, five years ago, if you would have talked about VR, AR in schools, it was resistance. It was pushed back upon. And now it's like, yeah, we, we see why this can be useful and helpful. And, and, and if, you know, you've got an eSports sticker on your computer there, Covili. I mean, yeah. 10 years ago, if you had said video games in schools, that, mm-hmm. that would have, you've been laughed out of the room. Yeah. And now it's like we're spending, you know, Boise State just spent like $50 million on their studio or something like that. Yeah. And so you, you got to... Pushing against that traditionalism is really hard and can be disarming and difficult, but it's such an essential part of the process to, if you believe in something that's important or you can see that it can create extremely cool growth down the line if people pay attention to it and and nurture it, then you've got to push for it, but it can feel really bad in the process sometimes. I think that's where coalition building can be kind of the dark side of it and can feel a little isolated, but it's definitely worth doing. And I would say one thing, we've kind of talked a little bit about some challenges. One of the strengths of Utah is we come together mm-hmm. as a group. Like when we look at the ed- educational technology world, um, most of the grants or resources that we have, we all have. Like the digital teaching and learning grant was any school district or charter school can apply for that. And when you start thinking about how districts are using those funds, a lot of it helps us come together to work with each other. Mm-hmm. Or when we talk about an organization like UEN, I mean, UEN's whole mission is to bring people together and share resources so that everybody gets the same access, whether they're rural or urban. Um, I love that view of Utah. Like, when we do it well, it's it's a beautiful moment. Well, we are a beehive. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we have uh, to work together. I'm telling you. Yeah. Worker bees. There aren't any uh, solo bees flying around out there. Those are the wasps, <laughs> and they don't make, they don't last long. Oh, goodness. Yeah. Um, it kind of reminds me of uh, First Lady Abby Cox's um, show up for Utah, and that's that's basically the whole mission statement, right, is that when you show up, when you come together, like great things can happen. That's right. Just wonderful. Um, okay, so we've talked a little bit about some of the challenges that come with coalition building as well as some of the benefits of it. Um, why do you think teachers should be a part of organizations like USET? And of course, we want people to be part of USET or of like their content area specific ones. Like you mentioned UCTM and UCTE. Um, why should a teacher who's like done fine in their classroom by themselves, why should they kind of step out of their silo, their little silo, and engage with a wider network? That, that last phrase, though, is the important part there. You, you, you just nailed it, is they've been doing fine by themselves, and it's the fine part that gets me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, I, had a, I have kind of an interesting background where I, I started out in higher ed, and in higher ed, if you are trying to get a professorship or if you're trying to excel, you have to get grants, you have to present at conferences, you have to basically engage the larger community. It's part of the job description. 
And so I, I was used to, you know, the year before I got into doing K-12 educating, I went to three international conferences, um, went to Turkey, went to Ireland, went to all these places, presented literature, conference materials, all sorts of stuff, and was teaching, I think, uh, nine classes or something like that every semester. It's it was in my blood as a and as part of my job to go out and be part of the community. Then I jumped over to K twelve, and very happy about that decision. People were really weirded out that I moved over to K twelve, <laughs> but I did it and I love it. Um, I still love it. And as soon as I stepped in the classroom, I, I was thinking about grant writing. I was thinking about travel. I was thinking about conferences. I was thinking about all sorts of stuff. And I noticed talking to other teachers who had been there for a long time that didn't ha- they didn't have that background, and they didn't know that there were grants available. They didn't know that there were conferences. They didn't know that they could go to those conferences. Um, and so, over the course of a couple of years, I really opened up the minds of my department because in my first year I was going to I went to Philadelphia and was on an archaeology dig. I went to Japan. I went to Seattle. I went to all these different places, and other teachers in my hall wanted to start doing it as well. And so I think for teaching in the 21st century, the biggest issue is the word awareness. Most teachers I know aren't necessarily aware of all of the organizations that support them slash all of the opportunities they have available to them outside their classroom. And for me, that's devastating. I want every teacher to be able to know that they can write a grant. I want every teacher to know that they can come to a conference like you said and have an amazing experience. I want everyone to know that they have organizations like UEN, USET, USB that are, have their back and they have somebody that they know there. And if those things aren't happening, it makes me sad. And so that's why I think it's so important for teachers to come out to a conference or participate in something like USET or their local like content area conferences like UCTM or UCTE or UTSTA because they get that larger organizational content and they can start seeing that maybe there's a larger world that they can dive into and have support, even if they are that island teacher that's just doing fine. Mm -hmm. Yeah, as Matt was talking, it kind of just reminded me, like one of the biggest things that I opened my eyes to what Twitter meant. Okay, so if we use Twitter as an example, I joined Twitter in 2007 And I don't think I really learned how to use Twitter until 2013. So I had an account for six years. And I would use it when I would go to a conference. I'd write little notes or do some different things. Um, But it wasn't until that I realized that Twitter connected me with people that I wanted to meet and I wanted to learn from and I wanted to engage with, right? And so I think that's the one of the cool things about getting outside of yourself is, yeah, I love how Matt said, you can be fine, but you might able to be better than fine when you start connecting with other ideas and other people because I think there's a synergy in it I mean we all I think work better when we work with others Mm -hmm. and I don't think that's different any different whether it's people in your building but sometimes in your buildings you're too close to the situation right you're all kind of in the same ballpark so there's a lot of group think that sometimes happens inside of a building where when you start to connect and meet with people who are more um more of a kindred spirit for you, maybe with some of the things that they research or that they're into or that, you know, their educational passions. They're not always going to be geographically right next door to you in the school. So finding those people, that's a huge part of why joining organizations or participating in conferences or 
connecting with people online is so valuable. And that's what I learned about Twitter in 2013 was Twitter was a way to connect with people, not to share just my thoughts with the world, mm-hmm. right? Okay. Um, so kind of going back to this larger idea of coalition building, um, one of the barriers that I kind of saw was kind of what you were talking about, Matt, this idea of um, there may be some resistance to uh, changing the way things have been done. Um, so my question is, both of you have done a lot of work with um, bringing people together and bringing in different groups and different perspectives. Um, what are some key ways to make sure coalition discussions are productive, right? That we don't get in this spiral of like, well, we can't do that because it's always been this way or like we don't do that with this organization. We focus on something else. Like how do you keep it being productive? Do you know that's a really interesting question? Like as I'm thinking about that, most of the things that we've tried to do to enhance our relationships with other organizations is to provide win-win for both groups. You know, like we're not trying to take people away from your thing, even if they participate in some of our stuff. Rather, we're trying to enhance what you do with your people by giving them more opportunities. So you've got a group that maybe they love coming to your conference, but again, if your conference is once a year, like most conferences, what, what do we do with people the rest of the year? I mean, we've maybe got a newsletter, a listserv email or something like that, but people like to be involved either in live events or synchronous events, even if they're online. And so we try to provide a lot of opportunities where other organizations can share them with their members, make it part of what it means to be part of that organization is that these opportunities are available for you as well. Um, and and that's a real thing. Like you've got to be really delicate not to make another organization feel like, we're coming in and we're going to steamroll some of the things that you do because ours are better. Mm-hmm. Like if you come at it with that approach, you're not going to build a coalition with anybody. Mm-hmm. But when you start to see how you can mutually benefit one another and we're just trying to get people more opportunities to be involved, I think those are productive conversations. Yeah. And going along with that, I think acting a in good faith. So if I say I'm going to email or I'm going to do something, I'm going to yeah. do it. And I, I think that goes a long way with people who might not know you really well. If you're willing, you're actually back up, walk the walk and talk the talk, that sort of thing. Well, and especially considering most organizations are made up of volunteers. Mm. So it's really easy to promise things, but because you're a volunteer, it's really easy to get overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. So you have to kind of under promise and over deliver. Right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Because it's way easy to say, oh, we'll do this and this and this. Mm-hmm. And then because you got a day job, you may not be able to come through with all of that. So you've got to do what Matt says and you've got to deliver. Yeah. And then on top of that is, is, um, assuming good intent, positive intent. Mm -hmm. And I think that's just, that's kind of been something that I put on a post-it and stick in front of my computer is if I'm talking to somebody and they feel defensive or they feel like you said, like I'm trying to take you over or something like that. Um, sometimes there's a reason why that happens and people aren't going to reveal it to you directly because maybe they don't know you or they feel like they can't reveal it to you. And so if somebody is feeling like, if I'm feeling like somebody is defensive or frustrated or um, we're going to get into a row, I'm going to pause, breathe, and talk to him later, assume positive intent. And usually what I've learned is, is that if you take that time, that usually opens up some more positive doors to work with them. It's very rare that somebody completely shuts down unless you push them too far. 
And so that's been something that I've, I've been really trying to be very focused on the last couple of years as I built coalitions and worked with people is fulfill the need and then uh, assume positive intent. Okay, love it. Um, so thinking about uh, the teachers and the individuals that make up a organization, um, what are your recommendations for someone wanting to get involved? I mean, the honest answer is that just do it. Like, I mean, it's so easy to say you're going to get involved yeah. when you have more time. You never have more time. Yeah. Like I think about um, over the last however many years I've been part of the USEP board, mm -hmm. my personal life keeps shifting and my time away from what I'm going to be involved in. I keep trying to limit the things that I'm involved in to the things that really matter. And that's why I keep staying with you said is it's one of the things that really matters. Mm. But I would say for anybody who's looking for a chance to get involved, attend a conference. Like, um, I mean, sometimes that does require that you get a sub from school. These are really valuable days. And I'm not trying to make this comment lightly. Like when I say this, what you do in your classroom on the day of a professional conference probably isn't as beneficial to your students as attending the conference and bringing that back with you to the classroom mm. the next week. You, I'm, and I don't say that lightly. Like I know what we do in the classroom matters every day. But when you get to broaden your horizons as a teacher and bring those perspectives back, missing a day or two of school is really, you, in, when you look at the return on investment, much larger than what you would have done in your classroom that day. Mm. Uh, I 100% agree on that. Like, I, re I remember seeing uh, Dan Ryder the first time, like, present, and I was like, oh, he's doing weird, cool things like I am. I, I, I had a confidence issue at that point. Are the things I'm doing in my classroom actually good and appropriate for my students? And then I saw this guy who's a national figure who is now I consider a friend. I was like, oh, he's doing similar stuff to me. I feel like I can continue doing this. And that helped me to reinforce that. Or like on the flip side of that, like I, you know, doing podcasting with, with students, it was one of my favorite things to do with students. And then I started presenting on it at conferences. And I realized there's so many people that haven't taken that step yet. And now I'm helping them to gain that confidence. And so that reinforcement of what is, what I'm doing in my classroom is good can be really, really helpful when you don't have that necessarily in your classroom going on. Um, I just wanted to add to that. This is something you said earlier, Jared, that I thought was really, really important is that like social media is a way to connect to people that you kind of get excited to talk to or find that group that you want to work with. Yeah. Um, I, I remember being a radio DJ like, uh, you know, a lifetime ago, basically at this point. And I would cold email bands that I liked on MySpace. <laughs> and I'd be like, DM, blah, blah, blah. And uh, I, do you want to stop by the studio when you're on tour and come talk to us? And like, we'll do a radio interview, blah, 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 blah. And nine times out of 10, I'd get a response from them. Yes, we want to come by and, we, and I'd be able to interview them. Cool. And what I learned is, is that everyone is a human being. There's very few people that you should get intimidated by. And if, if that's the case, then if they're just like me, then, they, then I can have a conversation with them. And with conferences... One, uh, educational conferences, I've learned that it, that person that you look up to, that you go, wow, that's a scholar. That's a person that I really respect. They're just like you. They're trying to figure things out. They're trying to get into it. And sometimes that can be reaffirming to go to a conference and meet that person and really sit down and chat with them for a few minutes um, and see what's going on with them. And so 
that for me, that was a big reason why I continue to love to be involved is that I get to meet all these amazing people at conferences or through USET or around the state. And then it helps to drop those barriers of they're on the pedestal, that sort of mm -hmm. thing. And we can kind of work together. I think that's a really important thing for teachers is that we, we read a book by like somebody like Hattie and then you go to a conference and you meet him and he's a nice guy. You just want to chat for a little bit. That's the way I always felt the first time I met at Teacher Winters. <laughs> <laughs> Waving out front. <laughs> that guy, I know I've seen him somewhere. This is a little profile picture yeah. on Twitter. That's why it's important to keep your profile images fairly current. Oh my gosh, you guys, don't even get me started. Like, yeah. I have very strong feelings about profile pictures on social media, but... I also have very strong feelings about bios on social media, especially yeah. Twitter. Like, fill out your bio, folks. Yes. Identify yourself as a teacher so that I yes. can go, okay, you're a teacher, I'm going to yeah, follow you that's back. That's how you choose to follow. If it's just you and then you have like 17 tweets about the Utah Jazz, I have questions. <laughs> I have questions. So are you telling me not to tweet about the Jazz? <laughs> no, anymore? you can tweet about the Jazz, just identify yourself as a teacher oh, first. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Just make it clear that there will be some educational content down the line. Yeah. Oh, then, good. <laughs> like, I understand. Seasons come and seasons go. What if I tweet about RSL like Colby does, you know? That's all right, too. Colb Hawk. Right? <laughs> At Colb Hawk. <laughs> Got to make sure we tweet about the right stuff. <laughs> the, right stuff. the right sports, right? Um, so I kind of want to wrap up our discussion today um, with this idea of momentum. And it's a link that... You guys might not have seen, but like everyone's seen this video. It's the lone nut that like starts a movement, right? He's like dancing at a festival and they're like, what, what is that tipping point from this one person into all these people having a great time, right? Um, and so when we're, we're talking about coalition building, we're talking about joining these organizations and being part of something bigger than yourself. Like how can a teacher create momentum and then also broaden that how can like you said create momentum and continue building that momentum uh first off shout out um micah shippy and his book wanderlust edu um if you don't know micah he was a, a social studies teacher from from uh new york city or new york state um and works in rochester now he works for samsung but he wrote a book called wanderlust edu where he spends an entire chapter talking about that video mm. and basically the idea is that it's called the di di diffusion of innovation curve and so you have your laggards up to your innovators mm -hmm. and what he talks about is when you're an innovator it's usually the top two percent of the curve and mm -hmm. usually by the time things are adopted by the larger community that top like 70 to 80 percent that innovator has moved on mm. and so what he talks about is that innovation and momentum go hand in hand, but unfortunately, because you're an innovator, you only ha you're the only person that's pushing your own momentum. Mm. And it's a very lonely state to be in. And so you have to continually look for other innovators to work with and continue to grow that space. And so I really love when I read that book a few years ago, I think it came out in like 2019, um, 2018. Um, I, when I read that book, I went, this makes so much sense to me because when you are innovating as a teacher, even if you're the only innovative teacher in your building, you're the only innovative teacher in your building. Mm -hmm. And it can be a really lonely space to be in. But when we talk about a larger organization like USET, fortunately for us, we get to get together with the, the top innovators in the state and come together and talk about these things and don't feel, we don't feel as lonely anymore. And so what I think for momentum is, is that if we can get all the innovators in the room 
in the state of Utah or around the world, then we can all work together to not feel as lonely and keep our uh, help each other's momentum going. And I think that's what a great work of a coalition can do is spotlight the people who are doing amazing work, get other people to adopt that amazing work and continue and work with those people that are maybe a little bit behind mm-hmm. that amazing work and keep pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing until we all are really getting into a better space in education across the board. And so for me, that's how momentum can use the bill is you start out with a couple of innovators or a singular innovator, but you start building community around that mm-hmm. and it creates momentum over, over the course of time. So I'm, I'm glad you referenced this video, right? Because we've all used this video in different workshops. But if you remember one thing about the video, the one guy's out there dancing by himself for a while, mm-hmm. not, not just for a second or two. And somebody finally comes up and joins him. And suddenly he's not alone, not anymore. He's somebody who's starting something. But it takes until there's two or three or four people before the tipping point mm-hmm. happens and then everybody feels like it's safe to jump in. And I think a lot of our teachers do experience that in their buildings. You know, if you're the first person to really try something new, you're doing it for a while by yourself. Mm-hmm. Eventually though, people will break down that fear factor or that barrier of being trying something different. And once you start to see that, it gets easier and easier for the other teachers to jump on board. Mm-hmm. We see that with technology all the time. You know, five years ago, seven years ago, one or two teachers was using Canvas. Mm. Now, granted, a global pandemic changed a lot of that. But Mm -hmm. I'm still saying, Mm -hmm. even before that, we saw people starting to use it more and more because that barrier broke down. It became comfortable that this is something I could do because I see what's going on around me. Mm -hmm. USET is no different than this. Like, when you look at the history of USET, I mean, they were, for years, probably in that two or 300 people were coming. And then over time, it got to be around 900 was a really good conference, maybe around 2010. Mm. And somewhere there was a tipping point. And this is pre-pandemic, right? It wasn't just because of the the shift to digital learning. Um, It was somewhere in that 2015, 2016 year. All of a sudden, USET's attendance went from being around 1,000 to around 1,700. And now we've kind of plateaued right there for a little bit, right? But... I, and I just think that's because of it's tough to get subs to come to the conference. I mean, mm-hmm. but the idea is that there's momentum growing and it just takes like-minded people finding a space to get together. Mm-hmm. USET's larger than whatever our attendance is. You know, our conference attendance is what it is because that's the people who can make it there. But the organization is much larger than that. And it's because there are a lot of like-minded people that want to be in the same room physically or digitally with each other. I like to think about how I got involved with USET, and and we've talked about this, but it was being connected to people virtually to begin with, but then in real life with people that were like-minded and that I always tell people like ed tech people are the best kind of people, right? Because they have growth mindset, they're willing to try new things, and they are the most welcoming bunch of people that you've ever seen. And that's what I see as like the future of USET is that we, we continue to make this space welcoming to people and uh, a place to grow and learn. And that uh, makes it inviting for someone to, to try new things. So Yeah, I would argue that the USET tent will only get bigger. Yeah, from here it's sky's the limit. Sky's the limit. 
Well, anyway, thank you. that's it for today. Thank you guys so much for um, being on our first podcast of the year for this new season three um, and for sharing your experiences with USA and with uh, building coalitions across the state. Thanks for having us. Thanks. Thank you. It's mm-hmm. awesome. Thanks for joining us today to discuss coalition building and how teachers can get involved building connections. At the end of each episode this year, we will spotlight something in Utah that connects to the topic at hand. For this month, we would like to highlight the call for proposals for USIT is now open. It is a little earlier this year than it has been before, but you have plenty of time to get your awesome ideas together. Head over to usetorg presenters for the submission form or, 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 or a webinar from Matt Winters, our USET president walking you through every step of the process. We can't wait to see what you come up with and to be hashtag together at USET again before you know it. Thanks again for joining us. I'm your host, Kira Bettis, and I will see you next time.